Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Conquer the Gauntlet Pro, Evan Preparis, and joining me, I have two very special guests. It is the a good chunk of the Conquer the Gauntlet Pro team. So, one, I have my co-host, Brenna Calvert. Hello, everybody. Glad to be back for this one. And two, I have American Ninja Warrior competitor, Conquer the Gauntlet Pro, and the only female to stand on the overall podium of both World's Toughest Mudder and OCR World Championship, Amy Padgett. Welcome to the show, Amy. Hello. Nice to be here. Before we uh, get to the conversation, though, we give a quick shout-out to some sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Atomic Clanging Holds. So if you're looking to improve your grip strength or practice on rigs or build your home gym or have some grips to bring to the gym to use on pulling machines... Check out Atomic Climbing Holds. They also have a section of their website that offers free or heavily discounted holds that you can add to your order for no extra cost. So definitely check them out. Amy and uh, Brenna, what are your thoughts on Atomic? I absolutely love their holds. It's what I used to train on all the time. I'm right there with Amy. I'm not quite the ninja that she is, but maybe one day if I keep training with Atomic Holds, maybe I can be like her. (laughs) Awesome. So we're going to jump right into it because Brenna's got to take off in a little bit. So we want to start knocking out some of the questions and uh, having a good conversation for you all of you listeners. So uh, I guess, Amy, let's start with uh, some Ninja Warrior stuff because that's always a hot topic. Uh, and then we'll talk about, after Ninja Warrior, we'll talk about Indian Mud Run, one of the other recent races you did, and Black Swamp Dash, uh, which we've also had the Anthonys, the owners of the race, on the podcast previously. So... If you want to know more about Black Swamp Dash, I'd definitely head back and listen to that old episode uh, to hear about them. But Amy's going to give us her rundown. So, Amy, let's start off with Ninja Warrior. So how many seasons have you actually been on the show? Including this season, this is number four. So um, The first time I was in St. Louis in 2014, and then Kansas City the following year, then Philadelphia, and now my hometown in Cleveland. Cool. So how do you, speaking of all those different cities, is that something you choose which city to go to, or do they, like, once you get selected for the process, they put you at a city? Yeah, they call you and they say, hey, do you want to come to this city in two weeks? And you say yes. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of lead time there. That's awesome. <laughs> so what do you think, so obviously it's very hard to get on the show because there's a lot of applications um, you know, thousands of people are applying, and you kind of need, like, a hook, or you need something unique about you to get on the show. So what do you think it is about you that initially got you on the show, and then what is it that keep, they keep bringing you back versus some other people who only get one shot? Um, initially, I started when there weren't that many strong female competitors. So the fact that I was a girl who could do obstacles really well and be competitive and also have a personality, I think, is what got me in. Um, and then the first year I did pretty well, made it to the work wall. And 
I think they like me, so they keep taking me back. <laughs> but um, a lot of people ask me advice on making their submission videos and applications, and uh, everybody submitting their application um, at that point, you have some obstacles still, so everybody's going to have some you know, obstacles in their video, but you need to show them that you're someone with personality that people would want to watch on TV. I think that's great advice. I know I've seen some of your previous application videos where, um, for those people who don't know, you're also, you're also a veterinarian. Is that correct, right? Yes. Yeah, so you, you're dressed up in, like, a ninja outfit, like, essentially climbing around your, you know, veterinarian office and taking care of animals dressed like a ninja and uh, just generally <laughs> acting kind of goofy. Yep, that's, that's me in general. <laughs> All right, so yeah, you're definitely genuine to your videos, and I know from seeing you and running with you and meeting you in person that you are definitely a goober and just never too serious, and I love that about you, so I'm sure the show definitely picked up on that vibe. And then other than that, you've kind of known you have a signature item, and that's your crazy hats, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so how that start, or what happened with that? Well, um, the first year, when I've always worn those stupid hats, uh, well, they're spiffy hats. That's the official term for them. Um, <laughs> but the first year um, in St. Louis, it was like 30 degrees. Um, so, of course, I was wearing my hat, and they made a big deal out of it. Um, so, then, of course, I have to wear one every time now. But I've gotten more, I guess, flamboyant with them. They all have mohawks now. <laughs> Do you wear them on the course, too? I mean, I think I've seen a couple of your runs, and I remember you – I know you definitely start with them, but do you keep them on for the run? Um, two of them have fallen off. Um, the other two – I think they're about to fall off, so I pulled them off and threw them to the side. <laughs> did people keep them, or did you get them back? <laughs> I get them back. Now I know they film a lot of people for every one of those shows. Like they film whatever, probably a hundred people, and they'll only air thirty or so actually on TV. Um, mm -hmm. So what do you think it is that makes that cut, or I don't know. It's got um, the personality and, um, you know, obviously if someone makes it to the finish, they're probably going to be on TV, but um, they're not just going to show, you know, boring, same, same old, same old over and over again. You have to have, you know, some personality or something exciting about um, your story to make people want to watch you on TV, so that's how they pick and choose, I'm sure. How many have you been featured on? Like, have you, they showed your run on all four or how many? Um, they did not show my run in Philly. Um, they've shown me on all three other times. The first year, they actually featured me, um, brought a film crew back to my hometown to film me at home. Um, the other two was more of a, oh, look, and she fell on commercial break. Moving on. <laughs> Man, that's crazy. So, so on a personal level, like, what is it that keeps bringing you back or making you keep re reapplying for the show? Um, the ninja community, um, kind of like the OCR community, is just very, um, very supportive. It's everybody against the course, not so much, you know, me against the next girl. Um, so it, the community is really awesome. It's, of course, really fun playing on the obstacles. I love the challenge. I love the obstacles. That's what I live for. So as long as they keep taking me back, I'm going to keep going back. That's what I was going to ask, was you're going to keep applying. But I guess, I mean, because you're so – you're known for American Ninja Warrior first, I think, before obstacle course racing. So does that kind of play into your season when you get, like, 
how do you train? Do you strictly like go strictly for American Ninja Warrior until you know if that's going to happen, and then you kind of plan obstacle course racing after that, or? I kind of actually do the same thing for the most part of the year. Um, once Ninja comes around, I do some more obstacle specific training and actually traveling to some gyms to practice on um, obstacles and more obstacle techniques. Um, but the the ninja training and the obstacle racing training complement each other really well. Um, I do a lot of running year-round. Um, of course, helps with the obstacle racing. Um, helps keep you in shape for ninja as well. And um, a lot of rock climbing, that helps with both. I don't really go to obstacle gyms that often. I don't have many obstacles to train on, so it's mostly rock climbing and running that I do for training in general. And then just climbing on random pieces of uh, public... <laughs> Public buildings and stuff like that. If you if you follow Amy on Instagram or Facebook, she's always climbing on like arches and just random things. So <laughs> That's parking cool. lot parking lot poles and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> cool. So let's talk about uh, Indian Mud Run. Um, they had a featured obstacle at OCR World Championships last year, the Floating Walls. I believe they'll also be featured at both U.S. OCR Championships and OCR World Championships for 2017 this year. Um, you raced this year at Indian Mud Run. How did that go? And kind of tell us about the course. It was really, really fun. It was my first time doing it, which uh, I didn't even know about it until um, the last couple of years. And I've been in Ohio the whole time, so I don't know how that happened. But um, they had really good obstacles. Um, of course, obviously I'm biased. I love the obstacles. Um, so having a lot of um, harder, challenging, um, different obstacles was a lot of fun. Um, the entire race, I was kind of back and forth with this one girl running, and she kind of left me in the dust. But then as soon as we got to the obstacles, I caught back up. <laughs> but um, they have a small valley to the destroyer, um, a couple of rigs. Um, so they have some really good obstacles there. Um, the prize is really cool. Um, it was it stormed the day before, so there was a lot of mud too. But it was overall really fun, um, good environment, and uh, right in my home state. So that's a permanent venue there. Where in Ohio is that one? Shockton. It's kind of eastish, middleish, in the middle of nowhere-ish. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you end up placing in that event? I won. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Congratulations on that win. Thank you. It was the obstacles that saved my butt. Nice. That's always <laughs> The number two girl was way faster. That happened to me recently. I know the feeling where it's just so fast, but you're like, thank you for the obstacles. That's why I love this sport. Yes, yes. <laughs> and Ohio seems to have a very strong community of obstacle course racers, and then on top of that, they have a bunch of local race series that are also very unique uh, to Ohio. So there's Indian Mud Run, and there's also Mud Ninja and Black Swamp Dash. So can you tell us a little bit about what your recent race at Mud Ninja and how that went and what that kind of course is like? Mud Ninja was uh, pretty similar um, in the aspect they had a lot of really good, unique obstacles that aren't at um, other, like, you know, like it's not one of your typical big race series obstacles. It wasn't just walls. They had, um, so like, tire swings. Um, they had this new obstacle. You had to jump on a little platform that swung. Um, so it was really fun. A lot of unique obstacles. Um, a lot of them 
that are kind of similar to American Ninja Warrior obstacles. So um, obviously that helps me out a lot. And their prizes are swords. So they do, um, for the age group, the top three of each age group gets a sword. And then the winner this year got like a really big sword. Um, it was really cool. It was really heavy and legit. I felt really cool. <laughs> <laughs> How many swords do you have now? Because I know you've done it a couple times at least or something, yeah. right? Second time doing it. So I have um, two from last year and two from this year. Man. I've been wanting to get to that one, and I just keep missing out on it for various reasons. But It's so much fun. You have to come. One day. Which I miss. I feel I missed all the stuff when I was in Ohio because I lived there for a little over a year. I did Black Swamp Dash, but I missed Mud Ninja and Indian Mud Run somehow. And now that I've left and gone very far away, it's like really hard to get back to it. <laughs> so, do you recommend what's the terrain? I guess Mud Ninja is that hilly because I know I've done some various terrain in Ohio. Is that kind of like a hilly area where it is? It was very hilly and very rocky. Uh, so even the parts that were flatter in the woods, there was a lot of rocks, so you couldn't just um, let loose the stride. You had to watch uh, where you're placing your feet. And briefly, you've got a little bit, I mean, you've got a running background to you, other besides ninja and stuff. You were you did hurdles, correct? Yep. Um, I started tracking cross-country in um, like middle school and then carried that on through. Um, in undergrad, I competed in track for two years, uh, but I kept getting tibial stress fractures, so I quit and started rock climbing and endurance running. And then from endurance running, I went to triathlons, and then from there I went to obstacle racing. Yeah, very well-rounded then. Yeah. And so I guess for the, the next... Um, I mean, would you? Are you looking to do like Mud Ninja and Indian Mud Runner things that you try to get to? Now that you've done them, you'll probably add those for next year and continue to do those. Oh, absolutely. Very cool. So, what is it? You, what is it you think that keeps bringing? I know. Again, I know Ohio has a big community, and a lot of people like to go to Mud Ninja and uh, Indian Mud Run. What do you think it is that draws people into those two events? Um, the prizes definitely are unique, so I think that obviously has a a pull to it. Everyone wants a sword. Everyone wants one of the on um, the tomahawk hatchets. Um, but their their obstacles are really unique. It's not something you can get at any other race. So it's really cool to play on. Um, a good challenge. Something you haven't done before. So what what would you say their signature obstacles are? Um, say for Mud Ninja, they have their um, like their I don't know what you call it. The swings they're like from cut out tires. Um, their new one, I can't remember what it's called. I'm a horrible person. Um, <laughs> and their warped wall. And then um, Indian Mud Run, of course, the floating boards. They have the destroyer there, the rigs. Um, and they had a lot more. They had a warped wall there, too. Awesome. Man, all that ninja play for you pays off then for sure. <laughs> and then Black Swamp Dash, uh, how did you do at that one? I won that one also. Okay, so uh, we have three races, three wins. Got it. You're crushing it. <laughs> You're crushing it. You're crushing cr- yeah. There, there's some second place girl in Ohio who's very upset that you live local. <laughs> yeah, I can attest to that because I remember, luckily, at least Black Swamp Dash, we've kept those first place wins with the CTG ladies. That's good. Yeah. But um, yeah. 
I remember showing up to that one and not expecting anybody, and Miss Amy Padgett messages me. She's like, I'll see you in the morning. I was like, what? No. <laughs> Sorry. But it's okay, because that's a great race. So I'm glad you got into it, because like Evan said, we had um, Sandy and Troy on episodes earlier on in our podcast, and they're they're great people. So I know that that's half the draw to going to it. But, I mean, what are your thoughts? Like, what do you take away from Black Swamp Dash? That one's just a really fun course. They have a lot of obstacles um, into the distance, and there's a good spread between the obstacles. A lot of other races, I feel like you run a lot, do a couple obstacles, run a lot more, and do another bundle of obstacles, where I feel like at Black Swamp, they do a really good job spreading them out. Um, they had some new obstacles this year, um, more unique. There were some cool, um, it was um, with the Little Foot Challenge, and um, it was... Like a bar, like, I don't know how to describe it. It was a, a board that was, like, slanting out, and you had to transfer from board to board. So um, if you know what the floating boards are in Ninja, just pretend they're stationary, and it's kind of like that. Um, but that was a new cool one. Um, but they keep changing things up, um, so it's always entertaining and exciting. And, of course, you get really muddy in the swamp. That's always fun. Um, it's they have a really good community there on the fairground, um, and they're obviously they're super people, so it's always fun to go to. And so I follow them on social media, and they're always, I mean, out there after their actual jobs, they're constantly building and working, so that's exciting. Yeah. Um, they have a couple other events that they do throughout the year. Have you done anything else other than the Black Swamp Dash, like the main one? Yes. Um, last year I did all three, and I'm planning to this year as well. Um, so they did, yeah, the Black Swamp and then the Moonlit Mud Run. Um, it's cool, so it's a fun run. Um, they have, like, glow sticks and the courses lit up. And then um, in October they have the Night of the Dead Run, which is similar. Um, it's at night, but they have um, some, like, skeletons, like, Halloween decorations. So it's got, like, almost like haunted house, haunted course type run, but you still do the obstacles. It's really fun. It's just different. And then the metal... Um, each race, um, you can put it together, the medals, and it makes a foot. And that's their, kind of their signature thing, I guess. Very cool. Well, okay, I, I know there's probably not much more, but Evan and you are going to talk a little bit longer. I'm so sorry, everybody, but I have to go to this thing called a job so I can pay my bills. <laughs> but I didn't want to miss out on any of this conversation because, Amy, I miss you, and I don't get to see much of you anymore. So. Congrats on what you've done, and I look forward to what you have coming up this season and hopefully seeing you at championships. But um, Evan and Amy, thanks for dealing with me and letting me sit in for a few minutes on this. And you all carry on with a great episode, and everybody enjoyed listening. And um, I will be back hopefully for another soon episode, guys, all right? Thank you. Bye, Brenna. Thanks. Bye, y'all. Adios. Brenna just took off for her job, so now it's just me and Amy. Uh, so I want to get into some more of your background and some of your training history. Now, I know you don't like when I point this out too often, but I know of three people in the world who've been on the the podium, the overall podium for both World Toughest Mudder and OCR World Championships, and that's Ryan Atkins, Jonathan Albin, who was on the team uh, podium, and then Amy Pajic. So, like... On, on legendary status, you are up there. And I know you don't feel that way sometimes, but you're definitely up there. That is a huge deal. So I guess let's take us through the beginning. So how did you end up at World's Toughest Mudder, and how did you do so well? 
that's kind of a funny story. Um, prior to that, I had done one Tough Mudder with a group from uh, my undergrad. Um, this is a fun race. And then um, that was when I was getting off of doing ultras and doing some triathlons. So I was training for um, my Ironman triathlon. And then uh, one of my classmates was like, hey, I know this girl at the rock gym who's also crazy and training for a race. Do you guys should train together? Um, that was Michelle Warnke. So then we started training together. She was training for World's Toughest Mudder. And I was like, hmm, 24-hour obstacle course race. Sign me up. Uh, so <laughs> I signed up for the World's Toughest Mudder. And we trained together. We had we got wetsuits um, and just, like, jumped in the lake and ran around and um, tried to work on, like, endurance stuff. So I was helping her with more of the endurance training, and she helped me with some of the obstacle training. And then um, at that point, she had her um, set up her obstacles at the local climbing gym. Uh, so I went to her events, did some obstacles, and um, kind of got better at obstacles, and I, um, you know, got hooked with that, of course. Um, but then from there, we went to World's Toughest Mudder, and I was fresh off the Ironman triathlon training, so my endurance was really, um, really high. And then uh, with the obstacle training, obviously it worked out pretty well. And um, I was, the last lap, I was neck and neck with Maggie Thorne for a while. She ended up passing me. But it's funny because now Maggie and Michelle and I are always a team for the OCR World Championship team race. So it's kind of funny how things worked out in that aspect. Yeah, that's awesome. The I think I think what's very interesting about that is, and interesting about obstacle course racing in general is you had the background and training already from another sport, and you, you know, as the sport develops, you seize on an opportunity, and it, it panned out well in your favor, clearly, uh, because third place at that event is huge. And what year was that? 2013. Okay, so last year in New Jersey, right? Yep. Cool. And then the following year, you went to OCR World Championships. So give us a little rundown of how that went. This is the first one. Yeah, that was really cool. Of course, after World Service Motor, I'm uh, doing well. I was hooked, so I had to do more. And then I think it was soon after that when the announcement was out that um, they were going to have the World Championships. So of course, I was like, oh, i got to do this too. Um, so I got my qualifying race in. And um, I didn't really expect to do that well. We started the race off. Um, I think I was probably, like, between 15th and 20th place. And then we got to the rig, and I think it was, like, Michelle and I were um, neck and neck there. We went in going in, like, you know, 20th place, and then came out second and third place at that point. Um, so, obviously, the obstacles were saving our butt in that race. Um, it was just really cool seeing um, the whole world obstacle racing community come together and having obstacles we had never seen before. Um, it was such a cool... Um, like event, such a cool like idea that every like you have know, so the Olympics for obstacle racing, and we were here and doing well, so it was really cool. <laughs> uh, we did. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, the so the platinum rig was like a new thing in 2014. Like most people had never seen that before, or at least a lot of people I talked to had never seen that before. So when they put it in the OCR World Championships, just one rig, like it decimated the field. It it was. It, both the guys and the girls' side. You know, people had a lot of trouble there. So, <laughs> go ahead. It was the ninja killer. It's always our joke with the ninja comps. Like, what, what was the ninja killer this time? It was uh, the rig. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, on my side of the story, I get to that obstacle. It's like my fourth obstacle race ever. 
Uh, I, I previously had done, like, three warrior dashes, so clearly a, a large background there and with difficult obstacles. Not. Um, <laughs> so I get to the platinum rig. It does not go well for me. And I'm like, all right, and we continue my race. Uh, so I, I keep running. And uh, this girl essentially passes me. It's you. So <laughs> I'm running. A, so you, you're, like, ten feet behind me, and I'm running, and I'm like, all right, this girl's clearly in the top three. I had no idea who you were. So I'm like, let, I better let her go around me because I don't want to, like, hold up one of the top females, right? So I let her go around me, and we're, we end up running a, a good chunk of that race around the same pace. And, again, you're in the top three, and as you go by every volunteer, you're like, oh, thank you so much for coming out. Oh, it's so good, it's so good to have you on the course helping. And I was like, in the back of my head, I'm like, please just run faster. Like, <laughs> you're, you're on the podium. Just run. Stop thanking people. <laughs> but I think I think that just kind of speaks to who you are as a person and uh, how nice you are. So I just wanted to share that story with everyone. <laughs> I kind of forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, I followed you for like most of the race. Uh, I think at some point we we ended up splitting ways. Um, but yeah, so super again, super impressive. Obviously, you have a strong ninja background, strong upper body and obstacle training background. And again, you were in the right place at the right time, and you seized on the opportunity. And I think, especially in the early, at least for the next couple of years, that's what obstacle course racing is all about, is you want to stay ahead of the curve and be in the right place at the right time to take advantage of those opportunities. I mean, we saw it a couple of weeks ago with Tough Mudder X. Like, no one had been training for Tough Mudder X previously, but the athletes who were doing obstacle course racing and doing CrossFit as their strength training went there and did really well, uh, including some of my good friends. So so what do you have coming up in the future? What races do you have coming up in 2017? What's your big focus? Any big plans beyond that? Um, I have definitely a couple of those fun runs planned. Um, the Black Swamp, um, the Moonlight Mud Run, and the, what do you call it, the Night of the Dead Run. Um, planning on doing OCR Worlds this year. Uh, we're in the process of trying to buy a house, so the budget's a little tight right now. So um, I was hoping to do Conquer the Gauntlet next weekend, but I can't get the flight down right now. <laughs> so I know David's probably mad at me. I promised him I'd come to Tulsa. Um, there's one in New York we might drive to in September, Bone Frog. Um, otherwise, no real plans until hopefully OCR Worlds. As for next year, um, definitely Ninja if they'll take me back. I'm getting the Ultra Bug again, so I'd like to do um, the Burning River 100 next year. Oh, wow. I know. <laughs> I thought it was a bucket list once and done, but now I want to do it again. And, um, of course, I want to do all the Ohio races I've been doing, and hopefully if we're financially better next year, travel to um, some other races so I can get my Conquer the Gauntlet in. But nothing set in stone at this point. Gotcha. What about uh, Toughest Mudder? Any interest in doing any of those eight-hour overnight ones? Um, I would like to. I just haven't got around to it yet, and my endurance training has not been on par recently. <laughs> so when you're in full, let's say, full-on obstacle course race mode versus full-on ninja mode, like take me through an average week for each of those. You know, what's your training days look like? What's your rest days? How much cardio versus how much strength training are you doing, et cetera? Um, 
I feel like the, for the Ninja and Obstacle Racing, it's really pretty similar, just a little bit less running on, like, distance-wise when I'm focusing on Ninja. But I try and run about five or six days a week, um, and then take a day or two off of running. I climb one to two days a week, uh, lift about three days a week, and just play on everything in the meanwhile. <laughs> I do a lot of grip strength training uh, with the climbing, and then, of course, with the atomic holds, I got um, a couple of different diameters of the nunchucks and the cannonballs. So those are really phenomenal for the grip strength training and endurance. Um, one of my stupid, just fun goals, I'm trying to get one-arm pull-ups. I can do them assisted at this point, but not not a real one yet. It's next on the to-do list. <laughs> um, uh, so ahead. on a personal note, what's your what's your method for, like, how do you plan on improving on one-arm pull-ups? Um, doing them um, assisted, just doing more volume of them. And then you can do, um, like, one-arm holds where you just pull up, let go with one hand hold and like still release down. Um, those are any good ways to build up to it. That's mm-hmm. what your climbers and ninjas I know have done. Gotcha. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> so I work on that too sometimes. I use the pull up assist machine. Mm-hmm. Um, in the gym and the idea is I like every, you know, a couple of weeks I lower the weight a little bit and I try to keep the rep range really low. So like mm-hmm. I'll do five by five for a couple of weeks and then I'll do three by three for a couple of weeks and then two by two. And then try try a single arm uh, pull up. And my my goal is, I mean, one like everyone likes stupid human tricks, right? So being able to do a one arm pull up is cool. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you know, for for the average person, they're like, well, you know, I may never be able to do a one arm pull up, or you know, that's not really in my wheelhouse. I think that the good thing that it helps with is it gets you comfortable hanging from one arm, right? So like, if you're on a rig and you miss, you go to grab the next hold and you miss. You know, you can hang on an extra two seconds with one arm versus if you if you never hang with one arm, you know, that miss may cost you the the obstacle, right? You fall. So yeah. I, I found that my one arm hanging strength has increased as a result of that. And especially like, you know, I miss a peg on Pegatron and then I can do, I may not be able to do, a, again, a single arm pull up, but I can, I can lift my shoulders high enough. Uh, you know, it's like an extra inch or two where I now I can reach the hold again versus before I may not have been able to do that. So. Since you don't have a Ninja Gym local, for those who are training for Ninja Warrior, what is your recommendation for people to prep without actually going to Ninja Gym? Rock climbing really helps. Just the grip strength and grip endurance is really, really important and really helpful. Um, also, balance is important. That is definitely my weak point. Um, so I've been, I got a slack line, I've been working on that. Um, as pull-ups, work on different grips. Um, anytime you can, just play on different obstacles. Even if you go to, just go to a, like a kid's playground, try new things, try climbing from underneath of it, try just climbing, setting a bad example for little children on how to, um, to do, um, make obstacles out of everyday objects that are around. Um, and you never... You're never going to be able to try every obstacle that's out there before you see it in real life. So just the the flexibility and the exit confidence and knowledge of how to work yourself around a new obstacle you've never seen before is really helpful. So if you can just get experience in, on everything you can. And like we talked about earlier, I mean, your Instagram and Facebook page, I think, highlight that perfectly, right? Like <laughs> you're climbing on things where it's like, I did not think... 
anyone would climb on that, right? It's just, <laughs> it's about expanding your mind and keeping your eyes open and looking, yeah. you know, having that mindset versus the average person walks around and sees an arch and they're like, oh, it's an arch. Versus yeah. you're like, oh, I wonder if I can climb this upside down yeah. and hang off the top. And as long as there's no sign that says you can't, it's totally fine, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So. What other, you've been on uh, Spartan Ultimate Team Challenge, right? Oh, yeah, I was on the first season of Spartan Ultimate Team Challenge. So how does, uh, so since you were on Spartan Ultimate Team Challenge Season 1, how did that experience kind of compare and contrast to Ninja Warrior? Um, the experience, uh, the behind-the-scenes experience was pretty similar. Um, just seeing, like, how production works. Um, you know, they interview everybody. Um, it was kind of the same process. Um, it was different, like, seeing what was on TV versus what actually happened. Um, they definitely play up and play down certain things, um, trying to make it look like the teams are closer together than they are. Um, it was different. This, um, you know, it's new obstacles that we weren't really... We haven't seen as a team before, so trying to work with each other um, to get over these quickly was a good challenge. So they they obviously weren't like ninja style obstacles; they were more OCR style obstacles. But um, obviously, they were like you know walls that were so tall you needed help to get over um, and things like that. Did you end up applying for season two or no? I did apply for season two, and they didn't take us. <laughs> oh. <laughs> did you apply? Who did you apply with? A ninja team or uh, someone else? Um, the same team as last time. It was my cousin um, and one of his friends. And then, actually, um, what friend we met um, from Cleveland, but we met him down in Georgia for the first Spartan Ultimate Team Challenge. So we've seen some, some ninjas cross over into OCR. Uh, why do you think it is that some ninjas have crossed over and other ones have stayed completely in the ninja world? And do you think there'll be more ninjas crossing over in the future? Um, I think a lot of the ninjas do have um, enjoy running or have a running background, too. So then um, if you already run and you're really good at obstacles, it's a really smooth transition in obstacle racing. Um, the ones that really hate running or don't enjoy it so much um, probably aren't going to come over as much. I think if... Obstacle racing trends towards having more technical skills obstacles. We'll probably see a lot more ninjas cross over. Um, but if it goes the other way where it's, you know, less, more obstacles that more um, your everyday person would be able to do, then probably less ninja crossover. And then have you done any of the straight ninja competitions? Like I know the, like not Ninja War, but I know some of the local gyms have ninja competitions that are, you know, set up inside. Yeah, have you I ever done any of those? Like National Ninja League? Yeah, I started doing a few of those. I did um, one National Ninja League comp last year, and then a few um, the smaller ones at Michelle's gym. I'm hoping to do more um, Ninja League this year and next year. But, oh, and I did one in Minnesota, too, at my cousin's gym. Cool. And where's uh, Michelle Michelle's gym located at? In Columbus, Ohio. Okay. All right, well, I think that wraps up most of the stuff we wanted to talk about. Uh, Amy, again, thanks for coming on the show. Um, fortunately, we had Brenna had to bow out early. Uh, before we take off, any people or brands or anyone else you want to give a shout-out to? Of course, Conquer the Gauntlet. 
um, Atomic Climbing Holds, um, also part of the OCR Gear race team at X Racewear. Um, I love their shorts with a pocket and the emergency food pouch in my shirt. Um, mud gear. What am I missing? A lot. Dry robe. <laughs> Sorry, we can go on and on. <laughs> There's a lot of a lot of great brands out there, and uh, I like all those brands you just named. So, dry rubs awesome. Also, the yeah that that yeah. jacket is like the most comfortable thing in the world. It was a lifesaver to see our world. Yes, it's awesome there, and all the 24-hour races I've done, it has come in handy at every single one. Even the ones in the summer, it has yeah. come in handy uh, because I use it for not only one to keep myself warm, but also as like a changing area, right? So you can. You can put on the robe and literally get completely naked underneath, and no one, you know, you don't get arrested or anything. So that's cool. <laughs> when I when I was actually went to Australia, uh, at, at the Enduro 24 out there, I had such bad chafage from the wetsuit, oh, no. uh, like on my legs. So when I went to change, I just I took off all my clothes. I think I left the shirt on, but I was like completely naked, just wearing a dry robe, and I was like. <laughs> Well, the chafage is pretty bad. I'm just going to roll like this. And <laughs> I got back in my car and, like, drove to the hotel that way. I checked into the hotel just like that. <laughs> and then I finally, like, I got to my room and finally, like, showered and uh, took care of things. But, yeah, it was pretty funny. Like, you're walking around. It's like hey, people have no idea I'm completely naked <laughs> under this thing. And then I've, I've also used it. I use it as a... Basically a blanket when I'm back in my house. So if I'm laying on my couch and it's cold, I, I, I pull it over as a blanket. So when I travel, I use it as a sleeping bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it doubles as that. My uh, my wife, who has pitted for me numerous times, almost every time, uh, uses that as a sleeping bag slash jacket uh, when she needs to. And when I did terrain, terrain relay, and I did a Ragnar relay, I would. In between legs, I would essentially put on my dry robe and just, like, fall over onto the ground and sleep. <laughs> and then get up and you, like, zip it off and you're ready to run again. So, huh? good stuff there. All right, well, I think that kind of wraps up the episode. If um, if people want to follow you or find you on social media, where should they head to? Um, on Facebook and Instagram. Um, I'm sort of on Twitter, but mostly just through the other two, so um, just type my name in on the one and only, so I'm easy to find. And do you have an athlete page or a personal page or both, or what's what's the preferred method of contact there? Um, both. I do neglect my athlete page sometimes, um, <laughs> but it does notify me if you message me, so I will see it. Gotcha. Cool. Well, again, Amy, thanks for coming on. Um, if you have not picked up my book, Strength and Street's Guide to Elite Obstacle Course Racing, and you're listening to this, please do so. It has a lot of good information in there. And I'm working on some other projects coming out in the future, one of which includes Amy, but I will keep that a secret for now. But stay tuned. <laughs> uh, hopefully we will have that out in time for World's Toughest Mudder. I think that's it. Uh, I will see all of you next week. Thanks for listening to the Strength and Speed Podcast. Thanks for having me. Adios.